They say, you're always smiling, you're always smiling. I don't know, life is beautiful, why not smile? You know, I'm, you know, as long as everything's good, I'm happy, I smile. And I think when you smile, people like you more. So especially um, if you're trying to convince clients or if you're talking to people or in front of a jury, if you smile, people like the person that smiles. Welcome to the Tip the Skills podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of Laring. Today, I am joined by Sagisha Ked. I am super excited about this guest. He is one of my favorite lawyers in the legal space. If you've ever met Sagi, he is the friendliest person. Also, in my opinion, the best dress lawyer. He's super impressive. He recently had a settlement in excess of $100 million. I got to watch him speak at a conference, so we touched on his TBI presentation. We talked about his positive mindset and belief that he can always learn something new. I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Tell us your name, law firm. So my name is Sagi Shaked, and my law firm is Shaked Law Firm. We're in Miami, Florida. How long have you had the firm? So I've had the firm since 2007. And you recently had a huge settlement. I want to start with that. I know we can't really talk about it, but it was in excess of $100 million. Correct, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I wish I had generated that case for you. It would have been nice, too. I know. <laughs> you can generate one for me. That would be nice, too. I'm working I'll on take it. One. I'm working on it. So I watched you speak today, and you talked about TBI cases and how many cases are out there and people don't even know that they have a TBI case. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought it was fascinating. So what advice would you have to lawyers that don't know much about TBI? Like what should they look for? Um, basically, what are those like hidden cases that they're there, but they don't know? Like what are some of those signs? So sometimes you get the TBI case that's obvious. Someone got you near know, their fractured skull. That's an obvious TBI case. What we spoke about today was more of the mild traumatic TBI cases where you have a closed head injury, meaning the the head wasn't cracked, there's no fractures, the person looks normal. Um, those cases, there's a lot of those cases, and I think a lot of lawyers are missing the big picture for their clients. So they're not doing their clients justice when they ignore the traumatic brain injury. So one way to do that is to first get educated, really learn about traumatic brain injuries. And if you see you have someone who's, whether they lost consciousness or didn't lose consciousness, if they're having signs and symptoms of a brain injury, and there's so many of them, you really, if you haven't done one before, work with a lawyer who's experienced in handling TBI cases. This way you can learn and then you become better and then you can handle them on your own. Is this one of the things that you specialize in? My main focus is TBI. I really like studying the brain, focusing on the brain, and then helping people is the key. And what are some of those signs that people should look for that aren't obvious? Let's say someone's in a, we'll, we'll talk about an accident, an auto accident. Um, one sign is if they're at the scene, if they lost consciousness, that's great. Insurance companies love loss of consciousness, but that doesn't mean if a person doesn't have loss of consciousness that they're not injured. So for example, you could be dazed, confused at the scene, um, dizzy. So sometimes people have headaches. So that's another sign of an injury. Um, they'll call that a concussion. Doesn't mean you have to lose consciousness. And that's a sign right there that you need to start looking into that case, get them to the right professionals who can help them. Because if they do get the help early on, they can get better. I heard you're the best dressed lawyer. I don't know who told you that. A lot of people, actually. <laughs> okay. Tell us what you're wearing right now. What I'm wearing right now? Uh, 
Okay, I got. Let's start with uh, your shoes. I got Prada shoes on, and then I got a suit. Where's your suit from? Um, I don't know. This one, this one is. I think this one was tailored for me, and then a Hermes tie. Nice. You are very well dressed. Thank you. Always. Thank you. Even when you're not in a suit. I don't like to be in a suit, but you know, for work, it kind of requires. Yeah, imagine over twenty plus years in a suit. It kind of gets old. There's nothing exciting about it. Do you wear a suit to the office or no? I do, yeah. Every day? Every day. Sometimes on Fridays. Fridays we try not to wear suits. But I think it's important that you show that you're a professional and that your team sees you as a professional. And then clients come in, they want to see a lawyer. They want someone who fits that part. So if you come in a t-shirt or a sweater or shorts and you're not fitting that lawyer part, that's an image that they don't like. And I think you can lose clients that way. That's interesting because I feel like so many, especially young lawyers utilizing social media to get cases are kind of going for the opposite effect. It's like, oh, I'm a real person. I'm like in shorts and a t-shirt and they're generating cases that way. Right. And maybe some people have a different way of generating cases. But what I want to communicate is when you, you come to my office or you're going to get representation, you're going to get a professional, not someone who's a professional TikToker or professional Instagrammer. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to work on your case. I, I study this stuff. I love this stuff. So I want to really represent people and help them out. And and maybe there is you know a different avenue. This isn't the only way to do it. So some people have one way of doing it, and I have a different way of doing it. But I'm, I guess you call it more old school. They want to see people want to see you in a suit, and that's what they think of a lawyer. And I've had numerous clients tell me that they've gone to other law firms. They weren't dressed the part. They didn't feel comfortable with them. So for me, it works. Doesn't mean it will work for everyone, but I think it's a, it's the right way to do it. I agree with you. I would not hire a lawyer that was like chilling i just wouldn't right because think about it you, you you want someone who's going to portray that they know what they're doing that they're confident that you know they they respect themselves so it's part of the you got to wear the the suit i guess and portray what it is that you know and plus you portray success it shows it plays on everyone from defense lawyers to the insurance companies to everyone involved if you're in front of a jury are you comfortable in that scenario, being in a suit, being able to talk, being able to represent yourself and your client? If we think of like television shows and we think of like suits, right? Like how is Harvey Specter dressing, right? right? Like we have an idea of what a lawyer looks like and we it, it you're going to convert better, especially digitally, if you look the part, right? Because it's what we think a lawyer should look like. Right. Yeah, that's exactly true. Yeah. If you watch that um, show Suits, Harvey Specter is always dressed to the T. I have such a you know. Do you? I didn't know that. But <laughs> uh, but he's dressed to the T. Now, his associate's not always dressed to the T. No. But they, you know, it's part of the show and it's part of what people expect. So you kind of got to give them what they expect. They want results, but they also want someone to look like a lawyer if they're going to be a, their lawyer. Now, you're in, in South Florida and I have a, a question that maybe all lawyers already know the answer, but I'm curious. All the tort reform that happened, how much did it really impact you? Uh, you know, on March 24th of 2023 in Florida, the governor signed a bill that really harmed people in general. In terms of how it impacted my firm, not as much as some of the big advertising firms, they would probably get more of a hit. We're more unique and boutique, so we don't take every case that comes in the door. So, you know, we don't, we didn't get the impact like I think some of the other firms 
do. And then there's also strategies, which I really wouldn't want to talk on the air on how to address um, dealing with the new statute to help your clients get the most um, compensation or justice for their case. I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but somebody might look at you and think like you came from money, right? Right. Sure. Can we talk about this or no? Absolutely. Um, did you come from money? No, absolutely not. So my dad is a mechanic or a retired mechanic, worked in a garage. Um, I started off as a defense lawyer, um, worked for a defense firm for three plus years. And I partnered, no, then I went to a plaintiff's firm. It was one, me and another plaintiff's attorney. I worked for him for about two years and then I partnered with one of my buddies. And um, after a year with one of my buddies, I, I took out a loan um, for 10,000 bucks and started my own firm. So no, I didn't come from money. Um, it would have helped. I would have loved to have had <laughs> a firm all set up and, you know, and I wouldn't have to go through years of, you know, hard times. But, um, so I, it wouldn't, it would be nice, but no, that's not the way it happened. So I'm curious, um, what your mindset is like and your habits. And the other thing, if you guys have never met Sagi, you're always smiling. You're like the friendliest person. My husband and I actually one time were like, did he learn that? Or it was is it just innate? And I asked you once, I don't know if you remember, I'm like, did you teach yourself to smile so much? And you're like, no. No, no, I don't know. Everybody does tell me that, the smile. They say, you're always smiling, you're always smiling. I don't know, life is beautiful. Why not smile? You know, I'm, you know, as long as everything's good, I'm happy, I smile. And I think when you smile, people like you more. So especially um, if you're trying to convince clients or if you're talking to people or in front of a jury, if you smile, people like the person that smiles. So it's always good to smile. And I guess if I didn't do that, maybe I would learn to work on it. I don't know, but it's a, I, I guess it's a good it. thing. No, you smile a lot. You think? So, yeah, I think so. I feel like I have a resting bitch face all the time. You think? Yeah, I think uh, so. I Rudy's know. laughing. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Um, and what was your mindset like growing up in terms of like your relationship to money or hard work and those things? Like, what do you attribute becoming so successful? And from my understanding, you have three siblings and they're all very successful. Correct. Yeah. So what did your parents kind of instill in you guys? And I know that's a lot of questions no, in one, but I if you it. can answer that. Um, so both my parents worked. Um, my dad worked. Um, I told you a mechanic. Um, he worked in a garage and he would always be working. So it's sort of like um, what you see growing up. They saw, um, I saw him working, I saw my brothers working, um, my sister works hard. So we just saw that and that's kind of like the mindset that you get. So, uh, you know, my mindset is I'm gonna work hard for my clients. I wanna do justice for them, which means whatever I gotta do. And I always tell the defense, look, you're not gonna outwork me no matter what. I'm just gonna work hard and I, I believe in the cause, otherwise I wouldn't take the case. And what kind of habits do you have? Because I know you work hard and you're like, well, you're one of the busiest people I know and it's really hard to get a hold of you. Um, so do you have any like specific habits? Yeah, I do. And then, you know, I read that book, um, Tiny Habits, you told me about that one. Then I read Atomic Habits, but I'll tell you my habits are, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm generally working out in the morning. Unless there's some emergency or something goes on, I'll wake up early enough where I'm working out. Um, I'll then head to work. How early do you wake up? It depends. Lately, it hasn't been as early as it used to be. So like by 6.30, I'm working out already. Jeez, that's so, late. No, I think that's late. But, <laughs> wow. you know, it just depends when you go to sleep, you know. So yeah. I go to sleep like around 11.30, 12. And so by 
six, I'm up, 6.30, I'm in the gym, I'm working out. And then by 7.30, I wanna be done with the gym and then just get my day started. So that's probably the most important habit for me. That's how I get my day started. Clears my mind, I don't think about work. And then in terms of like how you structure your day, what are your habits in terms of prioritizing? As soon as I get to work, I'm checking all my bank accounts. So that's like <laughs> number one, I check, make sure everything's okay, that the money's still there. Then I can, you are know- Are you worried it's gonna disappear? Of course, of course. Then my, you know, I have peace of mind that my money's there and then I continue with the day, you know, make sure everything's okay. Cause there's a lot of fraud and we've had fraud in the really? accounts. Yeah, people- How many accounts, bank accounts do you have? A lot. I, I figure that a okay. lot because you know there's issues to make sure that you know you're protected so it, it's a little bit of a job it's like 15 minutes to get everything done in the morning and then the more then the day starts the day doesn't start until i work out and check my accounts then i'll start everything i'll check my emails you know if there's sometimes you get a new big case on the phone you got to drop everything and that kind of you know throws a monkey wrench in the schedule but if there's no cases calling, which would be an odd day, We, I would check emails and then continue on whatever's on my schedule. So I feel like last year, I barely saw you at any conferences, but you're back on the circuit this year. I'm back on the circuit. So my son, uh, who's going to UCLA, is a freshman. And for some reason, you know, I've always told him to, like, I want him to do what he wants to do, but then he told me he wants to be a trial lawyer. So he got me excited again to want to, you know, try cases and um, so that's why I'm, I guess you'll call it back on the circuit and the speaking circuit and making sure I'm out there networking, meeting people. Um, I want him to not have the hard time that I had, um, you know, the struggles at the beginning and then put him into um, the conferences early as opposed to wait till he's a lawyer. So that's kind of why I'm back at it because I feel like I'm re-energized, uh, you know. That's so cute. Yeah. You have two kids, right? I have two. My daughter's going to be a lawyer, but I don't know that she wants to practice. At least that's what <laughs> the situation is. So you is spoiled now. her too much? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, we won't talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, do you worry about that, though, with your kids, like overspoiling them? Like, I worry about that so much with mine. In a sense, in a sense. But um, again, if they work hard and they get the results they need to get, which is get your grades, don't do drugs, um, be a good person then I'm okay with spoiling them a little bit because that means they're they're doing what I want them to do. Yeah. And, and then they could still do their own things, but uh, as long as you do well in school and, and you're a good person, a good human being, that's the most important part. Do you feel that networking specifically at conferences has helped you generate cases, get referrals, help the community? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, conferences are are awesome. One, you get to learn. And you, you, I really do it. Like even today when other people are speaking, I'm still learning. Is the learning curve as high as, as it used to be? No, but I'm still learning. So I like learning all the time and I'm always trying to learn. Um, and then you learn from your friends, the people that you meet. I'm always meeting new people at conferences and they have different ideas on how to do cases and everybody comes from a different walk of life. So they have their way of doing things and it's a you know a different way to um, persuade someone or a different way on how to present something. So while I'm making friends uh, and networking with people, I'm also learning from them. And at the same time, I do get cases from the different speaking engagements that I've done over the years. It's funny, this reminded me a very long time ago. I mean, this might have been like right after COVID or maybe even pre-COVID. 
we were at a conference, I don't remember where, and somebody said something about like not going to the sessions. And you were like, what do you mean? There's always something to learn. I always go to the sessions. And I remember thinking, ah, like you have that mindset of like, there's always something to learn and like life excites you. Yeah, absolutely. I like, so if, if, if you look like on some of the, and I, it's funny cause I see it sometimes like on AAJ or some of the other conferences, they put their promotional materials out there and I'm always sitting in the front. So you always like see a picture of me or sometimes, um, not because I'm looking to get my picture taken. I don't really care about that. It's more of, I'm interested in actually learning. I'm interested in, in, in getting better. Um, I think if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. You can't stay the same. So I'm always looking to get better, uh, get educated, um, learn more. And, and the more I learn, the better it is for the clients and the better for me, obviously, and for, you know, in front of a jury and in front of an insurance company, whether you're moving a claim, how you're, you know, moving the claim forward. So always looking to learn. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that that's really, really important. And I worry about that with my kids. Like I, I read this book called Mindset. I forget who the author was. Someone told me about that book recently. It's, it's really good. But when I started reading it, I was like, oh, I don't know if this applies to me. Like I don't have, because it talks about like a growth mindset versus a non-growth mindset. And I have a growth mindset. So very quickly, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. But then I thought of one of my children and I was like, oh, I need to to read this. Because it's that idea that like you can get better, like you can change your life, right? So when I ask you about mindset, that's kind of what I'm getting. I think you have a very particular like positive mindset, but also combined with like you said, you will outwork anybody. And I think that's like the most powerful combination of like you have agency and you're like you're positive about it, but you also know that it's going to be like, if it's a shit ton of work, it's a shit ton of work. Like it just is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And a lot of it is how you look at something, right? So you you can look at something one way, someone can look at it another way. I try to always look at it in the positive way. What can I learn from this? Whether if I lose a trial, um, what can I learn from it? If I had a struggle, what can I learn from it? How can I continue to get better? as opposed to dwelling on it and saying, oh, this is horrible. I can I can do that, but I don't do that. So I, I never like to hear any negativity. I don't wanna know about negativity. Don't tell me about the negative stuff. Uh, you had a hard day, that's fine. We're gonna fix it, it's only gonna get better. So that's the way my mind works. I'm just thinking positive all the time. And I know it's like, hoorah, you know, you're supposed to think positive. No, I, I really do, I really think positive. Uh, I'm thinking, how can I get better? How can I learn? How can I get something? from if again if we're going to classes or if i'm talking with my son or my daughter it's all about take that challenge that you have and, and get better you can learn from it so it's kind of my mindset i agree now you gave my husband some advice the other day in terms of something he should always do with um our daughter right i remember what, what was it so what what i did um since my daughter was maybe eight or nine years old We'd go on a date once a week. That's so uh, cute. So you'd go on a date, you, you'd open the door for her, you, you get her flowers, you go to dinner. So we would do this routinely, um, even into her late teens. Not too late, because she's far away from, right now I'm in Miami and she's at UCLA with her brother. So, but she remembers that. And I think it's impactful on the relationship that I have with her. Obviously it's different than I have with my son, two different types of relationships, but, um, I think it's important to bond with your daughter that way. And uh, is I liked it. it. I really enjoyed it and I looked forward to it because we do it on Wednesdays. So I'd come home early, we'd go to dinner and it's sort of like, so what can they expect? Now I'm curious, what have you done with your kids to make sure that they, 
or I mean, you can't be sure, but to try to get them to have that positive mindset that you have. Oh, I, I think they have it and to a different level. My son is like my mindset on steroids. He, <laughs> he's much more positive than me. Really? He, he's my little mini me, but he's just a better version of me. Um, he's just, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, and my daughter the same too. She's very positive. Um, she always tries to look at the positive and everything. And, and that's the way I do too. I'm trying to always look at the, the positive side of everything. But it, did they learn it from seeing you do it or did you actually have conversations with them? Oh, a lot of conversations. A lot of conversations. And then it's always, again, how you react to certain things. And I'm not perfect, you know. Um, occasionally, I would say, you know, every blue moon, I would lose it, my cool, but it mm -hmm. doesn't happen often. It's very, very rare. But that could happen. And we're all human, right? But you try to not lose your cool and you try to reflect on everything. But there are times that that does happen. So I'm always trying to take a situation from when they were young and then use that as a teaching moment. So especially like I would go to dinner with my daughter, those are teaching moments that are later on in life. Same thing with my son. Those are all teaching moments every time we hang out. So that's the same thing you can do with your kids. Trust me, I, I try. Do you spoil your kids? I, I do spoil them, but I also, as they get older, I'm trying to not spoil them as much and kind of because they don't understand the value of money like they don't understand what you know they just have no concept are you going to make them work yes at what age i don't know but I, I what i would like to do in an ideal world i don't think you're going to agree with this i would like to like send them off to college pay for college but then when they're done with college if they live in a city where they need a car i'll buy them a car nothing crazy i think you and i talked about this once or you talked about it with marino the other day nothing crazy but like, then they're on their own. Can I ask you a question? Yes. All right, we'll put, we'll put you on the spot. Um, so you like told this. me- I'm interviewing you. And I don't you. know, I know, but we're doing like a cross interview. Uh, so you told me that your kids are homeschooled, right? They are. How is the transition gonna be for them? I know college is what, five, six, 10 years away maybe? My oldest is in fifth grade. All right, so about 10 years. Are you gonna keep them homeschooled throughout um, elementary, middle, and high school? So this is a choice that they get to make, um, not a choice that I will make. So I will never force them to be homeschooled if they don't want to be homeschooled. They all want to be homeschooled right now. The issue that they particularly had, A, was that we moved a shit ton. So that was an issue. The other was that kids are such bullies that they were really impacted by their um, situations, right? Now, Florida is super, super friendly when it comes to homeschooling. I don't know if you if you know this. It's one of the friendliest states. So, for example, my kids can attend their the after school activities in their uh, public school. Uh, they can also start taking college courses really early on. So they could actually be done with um, their, you know, AA during high school, like at the same time that they're. Impressive. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits to them staying homeschooled. Now they do have after school activities right now. Okay, so they but are socializing with they are how socializing. are they gonna how are they gonna make that transition I mean, to if, college if you, life? If you think about it like way, way back in the day, kids were not in school. Like school was something we needed to to work, really. Right? Babysit, babysitting for your kids. Yeah, it was. Right, really, it is. And there was summer break. Somebody told me that summer breaks were so that kids could work the fields. I don't know if it's true. Somebody can fact check us. I'm not necessarily super worried about that component because I just 
from all the research I've done, and I've met people that whose kids were homeschooled or who they were homeschooled, and they didn't think it was an issue. I think society has told us, like, you need to send your kids to school because they need to socialize. But there are so many other ways for them to socialize. And it doesn't just have But to they are school. doing the after-school activities and the other Not things. through their school, but they have after-school activities. Yes. Well, that's important. And I'm not going to force them. Like, if one day they're like, hey, I want to be enrolled in school, then they get enrolled in school. But the benefit is, like, right now, they're, all of them, except for my daughter who's in kindergarten, they're past their grade for this year. Like, they, they've already done all the work that they needed to so do. So they're done already? They're, and we're in February? They're done. Like, they're just moving on to harder subjects. So they get to learn at a much quicker pace, and they get to learn. It's a very personalized scenario. So It's one-on-one? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they have one teacher for the three, but they get one-on-one attention. And you'd be surprised how quickly they can get their, their work done, right? Some of the benefits for me personally is that I get to see them because I travel a lot. So I get to see them at home every day. I can have lunch with them every day, that sort of thing. And then the craziest, craziest part about it all is that they became much happier kids when they started to be homeschooled to the point that it kind of breaks my heart. Well, you know your kids, so... You're making the decision, whatever the decision is, it'll be the right decision. I mean, we'll see, you know. It's also not, in some ways, it's not ideal. I have them home all day. It's tough. You got to entertain them sometimes. And I work from home. <laughs> so. And Mariana works from home, too. And Mariana works from home, too. But, I mean, they have a teacher, right? The teacher's there from 9 to 4 every day, Monday through Friday. And they have other activities during the the school day, Right. But I thought we were talking about spoiling kids. How did, how did you... Well, that's, uh, you know, part of it, I guess. I don't know. I'm spoiling my kids by homeschooling them? Maybe you are. Maybe. Maybe. I'm sheltering them. Yes. I'm definitely sheltering them. Big time. Yeah. Because school is really tough. But I do wonder, well, isn't it better to just kind of throw them into the wolves? There's no right or wrong. It's an experiment. We'll, we'll find out in a few years. <laughs> in a few years. We'll do the podcast in a few years and I'll interview you again. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Sagisha Kad for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It really does go a long way to help others discover the show. And I always read them and really appreciate it when somebody takes the time to leave a review.